What is up, Goal Line listeners? I'm not going to call you guys goalies. Jordan has not gotten on board with that, so we'll let that little experiment die out after a couple of weeks. But we're back. Sadly, man, this is, a, this is a bittersweet episode, dude. We're halfway through football season. Dude, uh, we're actually over halfway. This is fucking week 10 this week, dude. This is a really sad week, man. I, I'm not ready for this. Depressing, man. We're uh, halftime of the Jets and Chargers on Monday Night Football. We'll see if Zach Wilson's got any more uh, Monday Night Heroics in him. It's not looking great right now, but you know, Chargers aren't really burning it up either. So we'll see how it goes, man. Jordan, how has your week been? Uh, football wise, not great. Uh, Life wise, good. Everything's good, man. Um, can't complain too much. It's uh, yeah, it's been gorgeous here, and yeah, I mean, it's just. It's been a pretty good week, so can't complain. How about you? Football-wise, it's been okay. You know, the Titans had a solid moral victory. There's there's rarely times where I would accept there's a moral victory in the NFL, but I think they had a, a good moral victory on Thursday night going in and playing really tough against the Steelers. Uh, Will Levis looked like he belonged for the second straight week. And more importantly, my uh, Arlington Tigers, the uh, my five- and six-year-old flag football uh, league team, we we made the playoffs, man. I got, I got the boys ready to go. We play first round. Uh, Wednesday night, so we'll see what we can do. Single elimination tournament. I was telling Jordan right before we hit the air, I gave the boys a big, uh, you know, poignant speech at the end of practice night. I let them know, hey, for some of you guys, this may be the last chance you get to you play for a championship your whole life, and you don't even realize it, you know. So take advantage, man, because uh, you know, our, our, my, we're definitely a, a high ceiling, low floor team. Like we've gone out there and we've stunk it up some weeks, uh, just because we got a bunch of young kids on there. But there's weeks where we. We've gone toe-to-toe with the best teams in the league, so I'm excited to see what they do on Wednesday. They seem to be focused, but we'll see what happens. The, the most important thing to them is what the post-game snack is going to be always. Got to get them some uh, Little Debbie Christmas trees and really get them ready to roll. Just show them, flash those babies on the sideline be like, you win, you get these, and then if they lose, you got to give them like some absolutely off-the-wall garbage snack. We'll let Sheena come up with whatever the most like hippie dippy thing that she can think of is, you know, some sort of like like organic granola, you know, not even just regular granola, like super organic, no sugar granola. And then on the other side, yeah, like you said, we'll have whatever, you know, we'll just pour a whole stockpile of leftover Halloween candy and they can have at it. Um, Jordan, remind the listeners where they can find us on social media. You can media. find us on Twitter X at goal underscore line underscore pod. And then on Instagram, it's just the goal line football show. All right. You ready to talk some I football? Am. This week, we're going to do it a little different. We're going to have probably two main topics, and then we're going to talk some midseason awards. Um, Let's start off with this because, man, I honestly was sleeping on this team, but after watching them this week, dude, are the Ravens really this good? They're a complete team, man. The, The scary thing is... Aside from that game against the Lions, I really don't think we've seen the offense absolutely humming at like peak capacity. You know, that's the only game we've seen Lamar just go nuclear so far. Uh, yeah, dude, I think they may end up, you know, they're not the most exciting team in the league, but I think we're going to look up in January and these guys are going to be one of the last four standing. Dude, that's what I think blew me away the most yesterday outside of the defensive performance, which was absolutely incredible. They just shut the Seahawks down from the minute that game started. But, dude, Lamar Jackson literally did nothing in that game, and they dropped 37. I mean, yeah, like you said, that's the, a scary the thing, Lions man. game is the one time we've seen them absolutely look unstoppable on offense. Yesterday, they looked good on offense, but they didn't look unstoppable and dropped 37 points. Like, dude, how many offenses in the NFL can drop 37 points when they just look mediocre? Yeah, the – uh Oh, nice throw, Zach Wilson. Um, yeah, man. The this you know the scary thing is like you think Lamar they could just they still got that in there like telling like hey we need you to go go in the phone booth and throw in the cape for this game and just ball out because what's it going to look like then, man? The team is just quietly efficient. You know they just get the job done, um, putting on points, and their defense is nasty, dude. You know you got uh, Geno Stone freaking leading the uh, league in interceptions over there. Solid pass rush. Uh, and the Seahawks, no pushovers, dude. The Seahawks are, they kind of had the same thing going on the NFC side of the house, man. Not getting a whole lot of pub, but putting together another really, really strong season. And the offense was kind of the strength of the team. 
uh, coming into that, and they got to absolutely locked down by Baltimore. Dude, watching Baltimore play, it it just makes you absolutely jealous watching their linebacker play because they have Roquan Smith and Patrick Queen, just two guys that just go out there and do their job every week, and you know they're going to bring it. Watching those sideline to sideline, yeah, dude, cover, just they're so eating everything fast, up. man, and they don't miss any tackles. Like I'm just sitting there watching that game yesterday, and every time the Seahawks looked like they were going to get something going, they'd run like a crossing route for somebody, and Roquan or Patrick Queen would just eat it up. Like, man, when you have really good linebacker play and your line can keep those guys clean, it's a beauty to behold, man. And when you don't have good linebacker play, it, it gets ugly fast. Yeah, Ravens are. I'd say at this point they're probably the the midseason favorite to come out of the AFC. Though. I mean, dude, it's tough to argue it because, like we said, we still have not seen them play a complete game yet. I mean, I feel like everybody else we've at least seen play th- what their best football can look like. I don't think we've seen what the Ravens' best football looks like. And they got the physicality to match up with the Eagles. You know, if that does ultimately end up being the last two, that's kind of the thing with the Eagles. I don't think the Eagles. Have really, yeah, they got the best record, right? And we're big fans of Bill Parcells here. You are what your record says you are. But they've been a little bit less than impressive just week to week, even though they do end up piling up the wins. But the thing is, like, they have such a just physical advantage over most teams they're lining up against that they're just going to overpower you. And it seems like the Ravens might be the team that can, can counter that and and put the Eagles on their heels for a change. Yeah, the the only thing that's kind of still questionable is if the – the Ravens can completely control the line of scrimmage. You know, like the Eagles just have so much. I don't man, dude, their offensive line is just like a sight to behold. I mean, yesterday they got Michael Parsons getting single team because that's how good their line is, dude. Like I, I just, I, I don't know how you beat that team besides them self-destructing, honestly. I mean, that's how the Chiefs beat him in the Super Bowl was that one Jalen Hurts play. It was just them self-destructing. That's how they lost that game. Yeah, that's how the Jets beat them. You know, Jalen Hurts tossed three picks, man. They just couldn't get out of their own way, despite the defense holding the Jets to, I think, 14 points that game. Yeah, it's it's crazy, man. There's just the ground and pound teams are starting to come back, which – it's kind of crazy considering what the NFL is. I mean, I'm not saying the Eagles are just 100% ground and pound, but that's the beauty of their team is they can play that way. Like, they don't have to throw the ball every down. Um, and the Ravens are the exact same way, man. You run that read option. It doesn't matter who the running back next to Lamar is. Like, they're going to do something on offense. So, yeah, it's uh, that team looks scary, man. I mean, we were kind of humming and hawing about that picking that game about the Seahawks having a chance and dude, for them to just absolutely destroy them. Like that was impressive, man. I was, I came away really impressed. I thought it was don't my main reason I went with the Ravens was just because it was an East coast game and I thought the Seahawks would have trouble traveling, but I think they could have played that in any freaking time zone and Ravens are whooping that ass, man. Yeah. And the other thing is, is like, and I said it before that game, like Seahawks do not go to East coast. Well on noon games, they just do not play well in those type of games. So I wasn't, I wasn't surprised that the Ravens won, but I was surprised how badly they beat them. Yeah, they beat the hell out of them. You know what's really scary to think about? Just think if the Ravens actually would have sealed the deal and got Derrick Henry from the Titans. I know, I know what you said last week, and about it's cool to see a player finish his career. Good Lord, Zach Wilson, get rid of the ball, dude. <laughs> um, mainly because I'm playing against the Chargers defense, and I was up 15 points going into the night, and now I'm down eight. But whatever. Uh. I know what you said last week about Derrick Henry finishing his career in Tennessee and how cool it is. Dude, we kind of got robbed, though, man. I would have loved to seen Derrick Henry and Lamar Jackson run an offense together. It's just maybe next year. And I don't think – yeah, I don't think any Titans – I think the Titans fans, as much as, you know, hate the, the Ravens have always been a longtime rival of Tennessee, I don't think anybody would have been mad seeing King Henry get a chance to get get another shot at getting a ring because he definitely deserves yeah, it. Yeah, he definitely should have got a chance at it, but it is what it is. I still feel like the Ravens are going to be tough next year and they can get Derrick Henry in the offseason for nothing. So um, not, maybe we'll still see it. Like, who knows? All right. Um, you got anything else to add on that? front on the Ravens front 
No, Raven, Ravens are definitely the, the one caveat, dude. You got to hope Lamar Jackson can stay at 100%, man. But I did. I will give them credit. As much as I ripped on them the first couple of weeks for how they were using him, now I'm kind of seeing the vision. They just don't want him to take all these hits in these early season games. So I'm I'm actually yep. going to retract my comment from the first. I think it was like week three. <laughs> I'm going to retract that because I saw the vision yesterday. I saw what it's supposed to look like. You have him at 100% come December, January. Yeah, dude, these games don't matter. The Ravens can win on the road. They have like one of the toughest mindsets in the league. I seriously, if you ask me right now, like, who is the best franchise at like developing the players they draft? And it, dude, they almost never miss on a draft pick. They always hit on their draft picks. Like you hardly ever hear anyone say, man, the Ravens really drafted a bust this year. Like they always hit. And a lot of the free agents they bring in are always hits. Like it's just a great franchise, man. They're ran so well. Yeah, it's them and uh, the Steelers, man. I think are kind of the model franchises for drafting and developing folks, dude. You've seen so many, so many players just do really good in those systems. You know, it seems like if you're a third round pick or higher, like you're going to produce if you're on one of those two teams. Um, and those are all, you know, I think that's a credit to having the longevity at head coach. You know, between uh, Harbaugh and Mike Tomlin, man, that's two of the longest tenured coaches in the NFL. I saw a pretty interesting stat uh, earlier this week talking about after the Josh McDaniel. Uh, firing you know back in the 70s the big rivalry in the AFC was the Raiders and the Steelers man a lot of classic playoff games you know both teams won Super Bowls Uh, but since 1980 the Pittsburgh Steelers have had three head coaches uh, with um, uh, Chuck Knoll what was the dude's name? The chin dude, Bill Cower and Mike Tomlin. Uh, during that same time frame, the Raiders have had 40 different head coaches to the Steelers three dude. In the insane thing, like uh, they're in the same division, and I, I don't know, it's just wild to me, just absolutely wild that two teams in the same division are ran this well. Like, usually, three out of the four teams in each division are generally not ran, ran very well, right? Like, you don't usually get that much. I don't know, it's just crazy to me. Like, you're exactly right, Ravens and Steelers just they know how to draft players and they know how to develop, and yeah, Steelers just keep a head coach and. We were talking about it on Thursday night, me and a buddy of mine, uh, just talking about Mike Mike Tomlin. How does that dude get so much hate from the Steelers fan base? Like, what has he ever done wrong? I mean, they've never been under 500. Never had a losing season. Yeah. I think they got spoiled those those first, um, you know, he went to the Super Bowl two out of those first first four years there. And then, you know, they had that run kind of in the mid teens, you know, to the, you know, mid 2015 around that time frame of seeming like they were in the AFC championship just about every single year. And I think the, I think the standard has just gotten raised unrealistically high there for, for Pittsburgh, but, but yeah, man, he's, you know, whether Kenny Pickett ends up breaking through or not, I think they're a solid quarterback away from being right back in the mix uh, for making deep postseason runs year after year. Okay, we're going to do kind of a speed round thing. I mean, we don't have to like speed through each one of these games, but there's three games I feel like we really need to talk about from this weekend. Um, Let's start with the early game yesterday, Chiefs-Dolphins. Just kind of give me your overall thoughts on what you thought of both teams. Uh, Dude, coming out of it, honestly, man, I think I'm feeling a little bit better if I'm a Dolphins fan, dude. That game was right there for them to win. Uh, full disclosure, me and Jordan were both going back and forth in that first half when the the Chiefs went up 21-0. Say like, man, the Dolphins are straight up pretenders. I still think they got they got to show me something still. But uh, the second half, dude, they hung tough, and that game was right there to be tied up at the end. You saw, you know, Tua had the ball slip out of his hands when he had Cedric Wilson wide open down the sideline, and then they had the the fumbled snap there on fourth down. But that game was right there for the taking for. For the Dolphins, man, and you feel like Mike McDaniel probably had some sweet two-point conversion play cooked up if they were able to get that touchdown there in the closing minute. Uh, the Chiefs, man, you know, the defense is awesome, which is great, but you really got to start to question, like, this offense is struggling, dude. It's it, You know, it had been kind of just decent, slightly above average, but the offense is really, really struggling. Um, and I'm, I'd be feeling very shaky come playoff time if I'm pretty sure they're going to win their division, dude. But I'd be shaky. I'd be feeling shaky if you had the Dolphins coming in, the Bengals, a team like that coming in that you could totally go one and done this year for Kansas City in the playoffs. Yeah, we, me and me and you talked about, like we said, talked about this game while it was going on. Um, and I said, dude, 
watching Travis Kelsey right now, he just seems like he's more interested in being a celebrity than he is a football player. I don't know. I was watching that game on Sunday, and usually, like, you see fight out of Travis Kelsey. Like, when he's not getting the ball, he's pissed off. He's run to the sideline yelling at either Reed or Mahomes or Nagy. I didn't see any of that on Sunday, man. I I saw none of that, and I'm sorry. I don't care if this dude's getting double, triple teamed. We've seen it for the last 10 years. That dude's getting the ball no matter if he's covered or not. So I, I'm starting to yeah. think there's more to it than than people are reading into. I said last week that I didn't think Kelsey was playing well, and I was like, of course. he's." And I said the Chiefs weren't playing well. I was like, of course, they're going to come out and just blow out the Dolphins. Second half, dude, they didn't even look like they were interested in playing football on offense. I it's baffling to me. They were up 21 to zero and they just like stopped playing on offense. Like you said, they should feel damn grateful that their defense is that good because if it wasn't, they would be in major trouble because their offense just looks like shit to me. Just looks like they don't care as much anymore. Now, granted, I do think some of that, I think the not having a weapon like Tyreek Hill opposite of Travis Kelsey kind of has caught up to him this year because I mean, when it gets down to brass tacks, if Travis Kelsey can't do it, like, who the hell are you trusting on that offense? Like you're really going to trust Kadarius Tony yeah. to do it or Rasheed <clears throat> Rice or any of those guys. Like they don't have another guy that they can just lean on if Travis Kelsey gets shut down or God forbid he gets hurt. I mean, he's already been banged up this year. I don't know. I just, and like, even I noticed cause we got so used to Mahomes just making like these off the wall plays. Hey, can you like, still hear me? He would just like, he would just make it happen, and I I just don't see it this year, man. It's just it's just not there. Like the magic that they used to have is just not there. And somebody did Jordan. bring it up. Matt Nagy is a gigantic Can step down from the enemy, and right, they, second, they said, uh, I mean, Andy Reid always gets the final say, but Nagy is calling a lot of the plays, and he is scripting a lot of the offense. Maybe that's it, man. Matt Nagy does suck, dude. He is horrible. That guy's probably going to get another head coaching job, and he is just an absolute garbage head coach. So I think there's a few things going on with the Chiefs, man. Um, Travis Kelsey's always been such a freaking competitor that I'm not going to say that he's you know more worried about being a celebrity at this point than a football player. But I mean, who could blame him if he was? He's dating Taylor Swift. Like, come on, dude. Uh, but I, I think maybe he's still got a little bit of like of a lingering injury, maybe, you know, because he's definitely, like you said, he's never been the type to just disappear and fade away in a game. He's not uh, the type of player that waits for the game to come to him. Like he fights for the ball. He wants the ball and typically ends up getting open and making a play. So I think there's definitely something going on there. You know, time will tell if it is, you know, a, a uh, Tony Romo, Jessica Simpson situation, or maybe he's just got something behind the scenes uh, going on health wise. I think the other issue with the Chiefs, they've been on such a roll these last five years. I think they kind of got a little bit of that disease like you see with the Warriors or like the Lakers dynasty back in the day where it becomes very, very hard to get motivated for a regular season game. Um, you know, they've been in the AFC, they've made it to at least the AFC championship every year. Patrick Mahomes has been the starter. And it can just be tough to get up for, you know, whatever random game. Now, that's very dangerous in the NFL because every game does matter. And I think the Chiefs, more than probably any other year, definitely need home field advantage. I think, um, you know, with leaning on the defense, man, defense definitely performs better at at home games. Uh, The offense not being what it once was, I think they need the playoffs to run through Arrowhead if they're going to have any chance at making it back to the Super Bowl. I couldn't agree more with anything you said. I just... I don't know. It's just weird to watch them this year. It's just like I've never seen the Chiefs be so reliant on their defense, which, I mean, maybe that's maybe this is what they need, or maybe, like you said, they're just bored. But I don't know, man. Playing as bad as they did against Denver and then coming out there and playing as good as they did in the first half against the Dolphins and then doing nothing in the second half is just weird to me. So. Yeah, it's weird to see because, I mean, they have had some decent defenses. This is definitely the best, but they've had the defenses have kind of been up and down uh, during this run with Patrick Mahomes. But the offense has always been almost effortless, right? Like they they get out there and just make it look easy putting points up. So, yeah, it has been kind of jarring seeing the struggle. Um, You know, end of the day, they're still sitting there, uh, you know, only two losses so far this year and they still have everything that they could want, um, you know, left in front of them. But the offense has definitely got to kick it up a few notches. Yeah. Uh, okay, let's go to Eagles Cowboys. Um, <clears throat> I I don't know really what to take from this game. 
honestly, because I think both teams tried to lose this game the best they could. Um, I did not love the way the Eagles closed the the fourth quarter in this game. The, they weren't running their normal offense. It just looked like they were just trying to run the clock out, which that can get you beat against a good team. I mean, as a Falcons fan, I've seen it numerous times where you just try to milk the clock, and that doesn't always work. So, I don't know. It was, it was weird to, to see them play like that on the stretch. The Cowboys' end of it, I have no idea what you can even call what they did at the end of that game. Like, Zach taking that sack, then them taking a delay of game, and then throwing the ball 10 yards short of the end zone and just expecting C.D. Lamb to get there. I mean, he almost did get there, but, like, that's seriously the play you called after that delay of game? Like, you had plenty of time to think about it. I, I don't know, man. It's just weird. I mean, even before you got to that play, dude, the Cowboys had the ball at the six-yard line and somehow end up having to throw a you know, half-ass Hail Mary from 25 yards out, dude. Like, they had it right there in front of them. I mean, yeah, it was just astounding. Though It seemed like they went out of their way to lose that game at the end. I wasn't super impressed with either team. Again, Eagles keep on winning. Obviously, that's all that matters, but... You know, they've I mean, they could have a few different plays go differently. They could easily be sitting at five and three right now or or six and three instead of eight and one. Yeah, it's uh but I, I will say, okay, so we we gave the Vikings all this shit last year for um winning these close games because it just it seemed like it wasn't sustainable. This is a team that I think can win close games just because of their uh play style. I mean Dude, eight and you are what your record says you are, and they're eight and one. So, I mean, good for them, I guess. Yeah, best team in the NFC first half of the season, no doubt about that, man. Um, Niners fading big time because of injuries and Brock Purdy coming back down. He's hurt, and he's also coming back down to earth a little bit. Uh, so, yeah, I think they're the heavy favorites, man. The Cowboys kind of seem like probably the biggest threat to them in the uh, NFC right now. Uh, it'll be interesting to see the rematch in Dallas, how how that one goes. Yeah, it definitely will because I still think these two teams are really evenly matched. Um, it just comes down to really it's going to come down to the quarterbacks in the end and who do you trust more. So um, last game we'll talk about is Bengals and Bills. I, I don't really know what to take away from this game either. Dude, what the fuck were the Bills doing in the second half of this game? Like, it seemed like they had numerous chances to to basically put the Bengals away and keep scoring points. And I don't know, man, they just pissed that game down their leg. The fumble by Kincaid was obviously bad, but it just seemed like they were like tiptoeing their offense with Josh Allen and making him what he's not and keeping him in the pocket the whole time. Like, dude, this dude should be scrambling one of every five plays like he's six foot five. Like what's the point of having a quarterback that size? If you're not going to let him use his, all of his gifts, you know, I think the Bengals are just freaking in their head at this point, man. They did have that unique defensive wrinkle. They were using two spies on Josh Allen. I think they were just, they were very happy to let him sit in the pocket and throw the ball. They didn't want him getting on the edge and going for the big play. Um, But yeah, you know, the bills totally could have won this one. They just could not, make enough plays down the stretch, man. Bengals are tough, dude. Bengals are rounding into form. This is the basically third straight year we've seen them do this. Uh, and they're looking very, very scary out of the out of the AFC as we hit the midway point. The entire AFC North is currently in the playoffs as we speak right now. That's wild. The entire AFC North. That is absolutely insane. Yeah, the Bengals are good. Th- this is not me taking a shot at the Bengals at all. They are absolutely fantastic. And, dude, Burrow is just – I, I think, like, him coming into the league, I thought he would be really good. I don't think anybody could have imagined he would be this good. I mean, he's arguably the second-best quarterback in the league already. And Yeah, he's the uh, cover boy for this week's episode of The Goal Line. Yeah, he's just an absolute stud. Their defense plays well enough to keep them in the game or ahead when they're winning. So, it's just, I don't know, man. The Bengals are going to be tough. I still don't know how much I trust Zach Taylor as their head coach. He goes into like these lulls of just calling the worst plays ever on offense, and I, I don't get it. And now it sounds like Jamar Chase is a little banged up. It sounds like he's got a back problem, which, I mean, I'm no uh, doctor, but a back problem for a wide receiver does not sound like the best thing ever. And no matter how tough you are, man, back injuries could be tough to overcome. But, yeah, he, he, you know, he came back in last night after he got hurt and made a couple more big catches. Uh, but, yeah, definitely something to keep an eye on. 
All right, um, let's do the race for number one, and then we're going to do midseason awards. So not much change this week. Um, Cardinals are still in the driver's seat for the number one pick. That's probably going to change this week because they play the Falcons, so I can only imagine they'll win that game. Um, <laughs> Carolina lost again, so Chicago still holds two and three. Giants are four with at two and seven, and the Patriots are five at two and seven. Um yeah, not really a whole lot to touch on the race to number one, but we're definitely going to keep an eye on it. I mean, there's 10 teams that are within two games of the number one pick, so it's going to be interesting to see who ends up getting it at the end of the season. But, yeah, that's really it for the race to number one. You want to do some midseason awards? Let's do it. All right, let's just start with the big one, um, get MVP out of the way. Uh, for me, I honestly – and. I know he hasn't played the best this as as good as he normally plays. <laughs> are, but, are you okay, dude? Yeah, I'm fine. I just dropped my phone. Uh, mm. I'm going Jalen Hurts. I just he's the quarterback for the best team in the NFL right now. Um, he's accounted for I think 22 touchdowns on the season. So yeah, I, I'm gonna go Jalen Hurts at the midway point. I almost went – I mean, that that's a, that's a nice, safe pick, dude. I almost went Patrick Mahomes for the same reason, you know, not having his best individual season. But I still think if you watch the games, like, he's kind of the only I, – I, you imagine the Chiefs would probably have the worst offense in the league if it wasn't for him out there running around and making plays. So I almost went with him. But I'm actually going Trevor Lawrence, man. The numbers haven't looked outstanding, but the Jags are sitting here at 6-2. and two, And I'm a big pro football focus fan. Uh, those guys do a good job watching like, you know, the all 22 coaches cams and grading it out. And Trevor Lawrence is graded out. Uh, I think he's like the number three uh, QB so far this year, as far as like, you know, play to play, not making any negative plays and stuff. And, uh, just helping his team actually win the games. If you, I've been able to catch a good chunk of a few Jaguars games and yeah, he's, he's always making clutch plays when the chips are down, dude. So I'm going Trevor Lawrence for mine. I think the Jaguars are going to continue to improve as the season goes on. They're going to run away with that division. And, uh, and I think Trevor Lawrence is going to put up some big numbers and claim his first MVP. Dude. The craziest thing is I just looked it up. Cause I was curious. Cause I knew he hadn't been putting up a lot of numbers. He hasn't, he's accounted for nine touchdowns in eight games. That is insane. Yeah. The numbers aren't, low. the numbers aren't great, dude. Yeah. That's, that's crazy though, dude. I would have never guessed that. Like, I mean, I knew that they weren't having, like, the greatest offensive season of all time. But, damn, dude, nine touchdowns through eight games is wild. Whatever. Um, You know who may have been in the mix, dude, especially with the team bouncing back? Kirk Cousins, dude. If he wouldn't have got hurt, he was on his way to having his best season of his career without Justin Jefferson for a big portion of that either. Oh, yeah, he definitely would have been in talks. Um, Okay, let's do Offensive Player of the Year next. I'll let you go first. Tyreek Hill. He's a game changer, dude. I can I thought about him for MVP even, man, because I think even though yeah, it's a quarterback's award and two is a QB down there. I feel like Tyreek is what's making that thing go down in Miami. Him and Raheem Mostert, dude. But yeah, I go, I go Tyreek Hill, man. He's just making big plays week after week. You know, me and Sheena was cracking up yesterday watching that game. You know, fourth quarter, his jersey's like covered in grass stain. I'm like, yeah, you know, motherfuckers playing hard. They're that looking that dirty by the end of the game. Uh, so yeah, Tyree kill that. That's my pick for offensive player of the year. All right. I am going to actually go the double up and I'm actually going to go AJ Brown for offensive player of the year. Um, he's actually caught up to cause Tyreek was way ahead on yardage, um, a couple weeks ago, but, uh, AJ Brown's he's only a little bit behind now. He's, I think. Yeah. He's 71 yards behind him. They both have a thousand yards through nine games. That is insane. I think AJ Brown's got one less touchdown, I believe. Two less touchdowns, yep. Two less, yeah. But I mean, either yeah, I think one it's those two, and then Christian McCaffrey, man. I think that's kind of the three. McCaffrey was looking real strong a couple weeks ago, but he's fading a little bit. But I think that's really your three candidates for offensive player of the year at this point. Yeah, there's really not a whole lot of other people you could even consider. I was I was trying to look at this and kind of do like a a cute pick, but there's there's really nothing else to pick. I mean, Etn's had a really good season, but he's not winning offensive player of the year, so. Um, he Mostert's put up some big numbers, but I feel like he I, I he's kind of seems like he's just a product of the system a little bit in the same ways that Tua does. I think Raheem Mostert could get in the mix if he just but he's going to have to up his numbers even more and just make it like undeniable off the stats alone. You know, the problem for him is when A-Chan comes back here in a couple of weeks, Mostert's going to share that rock. Yeah, he's going to get a, take a huge hit when that happens. So I yeah. doubt I doubt that happens. 
um, defensive player of the year. So I think the easiest choice, honestly, is Miles Garrett, the way he's played this year. I, I just dude, the, the things that this dude has done is absolutely insane. I'm not going with him though. I'm going with Max Crosby, dude. This guy absolutely is a madman on defense, just plays out of his mind. So he has, I just looked at this before we started. This dude has nine and a half sacks and he has 50, 56 tackles on the season. I mean, just to put that into context, he has the same number of sacks as Miles Garrett, but 31 more tackles. He's like a J.J. Watt type, dude. He's not just a pass rusher, man. He can play the run, too. I saw yesterday he didn't come off the field on defense. That's extremely rare for a defensive lineman. He's a Dude freak. played 100% of the snaps for the Raiders. Yeah, he's awesome, man. I think you got you got Miles Garrett, you got Daniil Hunter, uh, Max Crosby, and I think T.J. Watt. That's kind of your, your main candidates. Micah Parsons faded a little bit from that awesome first three or four weeks he had. Um I think I'm still going Miles Garrett, dude. Individually, I think TJ Watts had probably the best individual season of any defensive player. Um, but Miles Garrett is the leader of a historically great defense. You can't give the award to the entire Cleveland Browns defense, um, but you can give it to, to their leader, Miles Garrett. And I, I'm giving him points for obviously it's an individual award, but I think he gets a little bit credit for being really the foundation of what that whole team is doing on defense. So that's why Miles Garrett's still my pick for the award. Yeah, it, I don't think you can go wrong with this one because I think the top three guys we just talked about are all deserving. Um, the only reason I did Max Crosby is because he's not going to end up winning the award, but I feel like he definitely deserves some praise for how well he's playing. Um, so th- that's why I went that way. But yeah, I mean, either any of those three guys is an easy, easy pick. They're, they've all played really well, so. You know, there was actually some chatter that Max Crosby might get moved at the trade deadline just because, you know, the Raiders might be going into full rebuild mode and just trying to stockpile draft picks. But I'm like, dude, that would have been so dumb. You get a player like that, you keep him in your building, man. Like, dude, that you just can't trade guys like that. You know, you saw the Titans do it with A.J. Brown, dude. You get one of those 15 or 20 true game changers, you got to hang on to him at all costs, regardless of what stage of team building you're in. Yeah, that that's like that would be like a franchise crushing move if you trade away like your fan favorite balls out defensive end. Like I just don't know how you could do that. Um, okay, coach of the year, you can go first. Coach of the year. If I mean at the halfway point, I think I kind of got to go with uh, Robert Sala for the Jets, dude. Like keeping them at above water after the devastating loss of Aaron Rodgers, man, four and three. Now that could totally fade. Um, they're looking very, very shaky tonight, and I know they got a pretty tough schedule down the stretch. Um, but yeah, I'll go Robert Sala just off the job he's done. Um, again, losing Aaron Rodgers four four plays into the season, and still somehow you know being right here in the mix at the halfway point. I'm going to go with Dan Campbell, mainly because I think he might actually be my favorite head coach in the NFL right now. Like, you can definitely tell why his players want to play for him when you hear him talk. Like, he goes to war for those guys. And yeah, just for the mere fact that we are talking about the Lions being 6-2 and two through nine weeks of football is borderline incredible and something I never thought I would say in my life. So, for, the, <laughs> for those reasons alone... I don't, I mean, Dan Campbell is an easy pick for me. Um, I'm going to throw one more in here. This is not a midseason award, but if the season ended today, who would be your pick uh, to play in the Super Bowl? I'm still going Bills, man. I'm still going Bills. I think they're battle tested. They got the, I think they're good. The mental toughness is going to come together. And I think Josh Allen's going to will that team to victory, man. I'm still, I'm, I'm not wavering for my preseason pick. I still think the Bills will beat the 49ers in the Super Bowl. You're still sticking with your original pick, Bills 49ers. Yep. I am not. I just I don't I do not love what I've seen out of the 49ers and I also don't love what I've seen out of the Bills. I'm going complete opposite of what I started with. Oh no, I I said Philadelphia in preseason, so Philadelphia is still there. I'm I'm still going with them from the NFC, but I'm going to change it, dude. I think Baltimore is the most complete team in the AFC and I just Man, if you got to go to Baltimore, especially, best of luck to you. Like, they have the same record as the Chiefs. So, yeah, you got to go to Baltimore. Best of luck to you. They're definitely looking the strongest so far, man. Um, 
they've had some pretty bad playoff chokes here in the in the recent past. I mean, you know, they had they, they could have beat the Bengals easily even with a backup uh, last year, but they ended up fumbling at the goal line on what would have been a go ahead touchdown, gets run back for six. And then you remember 2019, Lamar's MVP year. They were the number one seed and got bounced by the Titans, one and done. Yeah, yeah. I don't I don't think there's really a. I mean, it's it's mid season, so I just. You're just kind of throwing it out there right now. I mean, those teams could all tank in the next five weeks. Who knows? <laughs> um, all right. Well, that's it for our stories of the week. You want to get into UniWatch? Let's do it. It's going to be a quick one this week. Let's get into UniWatch. We only got one team this week, so we're going to go and squeeze in our uh, beverage break. What are you drinking tonight, man? I just went with, uh, found these in the back of the fridge. I went with a Bush Light Peach tonight. Hell yeah, dude. I still got about 12 of those left. I'm really trying to save them because that's a really, really good beer. Yeah. I am going a little bit of a uh, bitch drink, man. I'm drinking a ranch water, dude. Have you had these, these hard seltzers? Yeah, I didn't love those, honestly, but I mean, they're not bad. It's just not my favorite seltzer, so. Yeah, I'm not a big real fan of any of the seltzers. I kind of go for the Simply Spiked um, if I'm doing something in that vein uh, with the the lemonade. But uh, yeah, this is the ranch water. You know, these are the ones that it's looking at the ingredients. It's still just vague alcohol for what's included. It's supposed to give you like tequila vibes, though. It uses agave nectar. Uh, and lime mixed in with it. And this one's a real red grapefruit. So pretty tasty. I just, I kind of had a day from hell, man. I ended up working um, right up until it was time to get ready to go to football practice with the boys. Uh, and this is really the first chance I've had to chill. So I didn't want to dive right into like, you know, a, a double Imperial IPA or something, man. Kind of just need to ease into the night and uh, catch a little bit of a buzz. So going with a ranch water. Uh, the one team for UniWatch this week, they, I guess it's like they had a memo go out for the teams to just keep it basic this week because we only have one and they're playing right now. It's the Chargers and the Powder Blues. We already saw them once this year, uh, but you know it's a good enough jersey. We can love on it again. One of the absolute all-time greatest uniforms in NFL history. Yeah, it's like the NFL knew that the football this weekend was just needed to speak for itself because of how many good games there was. So, yeah, I, I didn't hate it. And, yeah, these are some of the best jerseys in all of football. So it's a good one if you're only going to have one. What has been your favorite? We're, we're at the halfway mark. What's been your favorite jersey of the uh, first half of the season? Seahawks throwback, no question. I just thought those, <laughs> those looked, were sick, dude. dude. Those just looked so clean on the field. It's been so long since we'd seen them. Also, you know, the Seahawks. Anytime they rocked alternates, the last you know really decade and a half had been like those awful like neon green alternates. You know what I mean? So it was just yeah, it was a true throwback. And we hadn't seen Nike do them either. So and Nike usually puts it down on like the colors and stuff like that. So yeah, yeah, I loved just them. the color. Color, like the cut, the fit, yeah, like just it, it just pops, man. I gotta go. It's not just because Will Levis dropped four touchdowns. It's not just because they beat Jordan's Falcons, dude. I gotta go with Titans rocking those sweet, sweet Oilers jerseys, man. I'd be in favor of the Titans just redoing their uniforms, keep the whole Oilers look, and just throw Titans logos where the where the oil rig is. Yeah, they're they're definitely dope. All right, let's get into picks. All right, Jordan, how did we do last week? Well, we've both got the Jets tonight, which is looking very, very shaky. So these are without that. Um, I went seven and six. You went nine and four. So not, mm. not my finest week. I started out like oh and four, I think. So not my finest week. What's the count for the season now? I knew you were going to ask me that. And right before you asked me that, I thought, damn it, I forgot to update the count. I will do it next week. I promise I will have an updated count next week. I thought we were three and three with two ties coming into this, dude. But uh, I may be off on that, dude. I'll, so I'll do that's it. The case, I, I'll I'm do up. it next week. So I'll make sure All I got right. it. Let's get into week 10, dude. We have got. Are you sitting down right now? Oh, yeah. This slate is bad. But I, I got to just make sure you're ready for this Thursday game. This is probably the. Great. I think football was invented in the late 1800s at Princeton University. Um, this may be the best contest we've ever rolled out on the oh, gridiron yeah. in the 100 plus years since then. So I want to make sure you're sitting down. 
10 toes on the floor as I have you make your prediction for the Carolina Panthers traveling to Chicago to face Tyson Bajant and the Bears. Nope, it's going to be Justin Fields, it sounds like. Oh, he's back. Wow, okay. Sounds I don't like- know if that's better, dude. I mean, Bajant had a bunch of turnovers yesterday, but he's generally looked competent, dude. Yeah, but here's the thing. Justin Fields has never played in a game where his fucking livelihood was on the line. Like, dude, we're we're rolling down the stretch where I'm like, he needs to play really well down the stretch. So from- Do you think he gets booed if he struggles a little bit? It's, like I said, it seemed like the – you know – uh, I'm big on watching not just what happens like on the field, but like the body language and everything um, on the sidelines. I saw Tyson Bajant through a fourth quarter interception against the Saints and the camera stuck with him as he walked to the sidelines and nobody was like turning away. Like literally every single person he walked by was like dapping him up, you know, giving him a pat on the chest, touching his shoulder pad, saying something to him as he walked by. Like that kind of thing says a lot to me. Yeah. But I mean, you're you're not starting him if Justin Fields is healthy, unless Justin nah. Fields plays like absolute garbage. So, and dude, the Panthers are so bad, man. Like watching them against the Colts yesterday, that is a terrible football team. They they are bad. And all right, I did say this at Week Five that I thought Bryce Young was still going to be good. Man, dude, I, I think so they small, they blew it, man. CJ Stroud looks like an absolute stud, and Bryce Young looks so confused playing in the NFL. Yeah, they had that they had that little bit of fool's gold when they beat Houston when they came to town, you know. But I think it was just you know a little little bit of an off week for Houston, dude. After seeing what you saw to Bryce Young yesterday and seeing CJ Stroud absolutely light it up, break the rookie passing record for most yards in a game throw five touchdowns and lead a freaking 80 yard touchdown drive with under 30 seconds to go to win the game like i mean and they traded up to do all that man like they trade you went out of your way to draft this guy over cj stroud now i was never big on brush under again with i thought the dude was way too small man i was saying that at college good football player damn good football player don't get me wrong man and like i'm sure he's a really really great guy um in the locker room and everything but I legit think he's just too small, man. Like, that is such a thing, dude. You can be too small to play quarterback in the NFL. Yeah, it's – it ain't good, dude. The the results from Bryce Young – and the thing is, is, people are like, oh, he has no weapons. Who the hell does C.J. Stroud have? He's making Nico Collins look like a pro bowler. <laughs> he threw his game-winning touchdown pass to a guy named Tank yesterday. Ooh, Tank Dell <laughs> – Another guy, man. He is good. That, that, that was a complete hit on a draft pick. That dude is good. Dude, this Texans draft class that they have right now might go down as one of the better draft classes in a long time. I mean, they got C.J. Stroud, Tank Dell, um, Will Anderson. Like, just those three alone are yeah. going to make this class worth it. You got D'Amico Ryan's your new coach, too. Yeah, if I'm like I said, I doubt they make a playoff run this year, man, but they've been fun to watch. If I'm a Texans fan, I am I am super happy at, you know, the trajectory for my franchise over the next the next handful of years. Dude, so I said this to somebody yesterday. I was like, the Falcons don't have a head coach or a quarterback. The Texans have <laughs> a head coach and a quarterback and an anchor on the defensive line. Like that's yeah. three things that you have to have to be successful in the NFL. And they have all three of them. Uh, uh, all right, so, I'm so let's go, pick I, this game, dude. I'm going to Bears. Me, it's still, all that being said, I think it's still a fucking coin toss on this one. I'm going Bears. Yeah, I say Bears too. I think Justin Fields being bad gives him enough of a spark. I, I, it could be ugly, though. It would not shock me one bit to see Carolina roll in there and have their best game of the season. Um, but yeah, gun to my head, I'll pick the Bears. All right, if this was about 14 years ago, this would be the game of the week, but it's not, and it's going to be another early morning one in Frankfurt. We got the Colts and the Patriots in Germany. Dude, how are the Patriots still starting Mac Jones? He is so bad. Worst team in the AFC, dude. They're so bad. I just want to know how bad my boy Zappi must look in practice, dude. He must... He must really look like shit going against the Patriots defense because, I mean, he looked good when he played in the regular season last year. I've got, I've told you guys how good he was in college. I don't know what you would need to see to give this guy a shot. Dude, don't forget. Or anybody dude, else a shot. They man. signed Malik Cunningham to the active roster before the season started, so they have two guys that could be getting a shot right now. I don't I do Yeah, there was a couple times that game yesterday. Guys were open for 15, 20-yard games, and Mac Jones just sprayed it, just misses them, man. Yeah, I'm going Colts. I just think the Colts have such a better trajectory right now as a franchise. 
Why did Zach yeah, Wilson agreed. just take that sack? Like, what are you doing? Dude, I I don't know how you're still defending this guy. This guy's a complete bozo. <laughs> it's yeah, it's not looking great, dude. It's not not looking like a good week for my uh Zach Wilson still gonna be somebody uh stance, man. It's like the field awareness just it, it, it just completely checks out, man. You know, he'll still make like a crazy throw or, or scramble that tantalizes you, but there's just a complete lack of awareness sometimes. He looks like I mean, he looks like Malik Willis out there sometimes when he when he drops back to pass. <laughs> it's bad. All right, so I'm going. Cold. Yeah, I'm going to pick the Colts as well, man. I think you know, never count out Belichick, but dude. Worst team. They have the worst record in the AFC right now, man, which is crazy to say about a Patriots team. Um, so, yeah, I'm going Colts. All right. All right. This should be a fun game. The Texans, right off coming off that huge win, are traveling to Cincy to face the Bengals. Man. Texans are on fire, but, dude, there's no way I'm picking against the Bengals right now. They're playing so well. Yeah, as as fun as that game was yesterday, it still took the greatest game by a rookie quarterback in NFL history and a freaking miracle drive at the end just to beat Baker Mayfield and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So I'm going Bengals. All right. Another classic NFL matchup, the Packers traveling to Pittsburgh to face the Steelers, man. Packers looked horrible, dude. They barely freaking won. Uh, yesterday against a Rams team that is all kinds of banged up. I think the Steelers win and surprisingly get to six and three with Kenny Pickett. Yeah, I'm going Steelers as well. I just, dude, what the hell is wrong with the Packers? Seriously, like they're somehow worse than their record, dude. They're three and five, and they're uh, they are a much shittier team than three and five would lead you to believe. Yeah, they're not good, I, man. Everybody that thought Jordan Love was going to be the answer, oh boy, he is definitely not the answer. So you going Steelers? Yeah, I'm going Steelers as well. Sorry. This is a fun one, man. This will let you know how everybody is riding the Will Levis wave. The Titans are traveling to Tampa Bay, and they are one-point favorites on the road against the Bucks. Dude, the Bucks are bad right now, man. There. The Titans get it done, man. You know, they look great against the Falcons. They look tough against a, a good Steelers team. Damn near one. I mean, it ended with a an interception in the end zone on a, you know, kind of kind of a Hail Mary type play there at the end. Uh I think I think they win, and I think they win convincingly, man. I'm gonna I'm gonna drink the Homer juice, dude, and I think they go in there and kick the Buccaneers' ass. Yeah, I'm going Titans as well. I just I I told you a couple weeks ago I did not like the way the Bucks franchise was headed right now. And it's it's looking worse every week. So yeah, I'm going I'm going Titans as well. I just the Bucks are not good and now they're looking even worse somehow. So I'm always happy to admit, you know, I was kinda I wouldn't say I was like on the Bucks, but I was, you know, impressed with how tough the Bucks were playing when they were at three and one and Jordan was like, no, this team is dog shit. They suck. And Jordan was definitely right on that one. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Heavyweight fight, man. The five and three Browns heading into Baltimore to face the seven and two Ravens. I think the Browns are going to put the clamps on uh, Lamar and the Ravens, but I just wondered. I still think they end up putting up a little bit more points than Deshaun Watson's going to be able to muster against that Ravens defense. Man, I've seen absolutely nothing at all, dude. That you know, at best, the Browns' offense is pedestrian. You know, that's the absolute best you can hope for with them. Um, I think the Ravens win an ugly, low-scoring game. Yeah, I'm going Ravens as well. I just, dude, I just cannot trust Deshaun Watson with any certainty at all right now. And Ravens still have a really good defense. So, yeah, I'm going to agree with you. I'm going Ravens as well. I hate to say something this ugly, man. I think the Browns' shot at winning would be if they actually, like, you know, incapacitated Lamar Jackson, right? Like, if they knock him out of the game, then you're talking maybe you can hold these guys to freaking seven points or something like that and and, and squeak out a win. But I just don't think the Browns' offense is going to be able to do shit against the Ravens. And I think the Ravens are be able to put together a drive or two against the Browns. Yeah, I just – this is going to be an ugly game, though. It's, it's definitely going to be one of those, like – yeah, it's just going to be a three-point win probably for whoever wins. Yeah, I think it'll be a fun one, but yeah, it's not going to – If you, I would probably stay away from any of these uh, offensive players in fantasy football this uh, this weekend. 
Yeah. Um, another good game in the early window, man. This early window has got some bangers for us, dude. The San Francisco 49ers on a three-game losing streak are heading down to Jacksonville to face my midseason MVP, Trevor Lawrence, and the Jaguars. You got to assume the 49ers get everybody back this week. Man, dude. If it wasn't coming off a bye, I would have no faith that the 49ers could go across country and win this game. But coming off a bye, I'm going to go 49ers. I just I think they're the better team, and I think they'll show it on Sunday. The Jaguars are setting at – let's see here. Yeah, the Jaguars – what the hell did I do? I messed up my app. Okay, I'm back on it now. The Jaguars are three-point home underdogs. Uh, yeah, I'm going Niners, dude. I think the Niners are a lot better. I think we've forgotten how good the Niners are off this little three-game losing streak. I think they bounce back in a big way and remind us. Um, I'm very tempted to pick the Jaguars, but like, I, if this game happened a month ago, I would say Niners without even thinking about it. So I'm not going to let that their recent losing streak sway me too much. I say 49ers win. All right. All right. The five and four Saints heading to Minnesota to face Josh Dobbs and the Vikings. Also sitting at five and four. The Saints are actually uh, road favorites, man. The Saints are favored by two and a half points in this one right now. And they are not good either, by the way. I mean, the the yeah. Bears gave them all they could handle with Tyler Bagnet or Bajent, whatever you want to call him. <laughs> whatever his name is. Said. <laughs> I like it, dude. That's just the uh, the absolute freaking insult, dude. Tyson Bajant, dude. <laughs> he said Tyler Bagnet. But also, the I dude, I just don't think that the Vikings are good enough to beat the Saints. Like they did beat the Falcons and it was impressive by Dobbs, but Saints just have a better defense than the Falcons do, as sad as it is to admit. I just I don't think that the Vikings can beat them with the team they have right now. Dude, to me, I think the Saints are quite possibly the worst five and four team in the history of the NFL. Like every time I've watched them play, I'm just like, how the hell does this team have five victories? I think the Vikings win, man. They're going to be at home. Uh, you know, Josh Dobbs is going to get a freaking hero's welcome after that performance he put on in ATL on Sunday. I think that that crowd's going to be fired up, willing these guys to victory. I think the Vikings win, dude. All right. All right. The Arthur Smith special. <sighs> I don't think there's any way he could survive this if he doesn't leave the desert with a victory. It's going to be one of the late games, too, so you're going to have a ton of attention on this one. Only four games happening at, at, uh, in this window. The Falcons against the Cardinals in Arizona. Can I mean, dude, if they lose this one, there's no way he could, he could survive, right? The Cardinals are absolutely the worst team in the league. They're not even trying to hide it. Yeah, but Kyler's playing this week. Oh, God. You think Kyler's going to come first game back? Yeah, I'm going. And take, I'm, take going down Car- dude, I'm going Cardinals. I have no faith in the Falcons at all right now. I like literally going into the Vikings game. I told you last week that if they lost that game, I would have no faith in them moving forward. So I'm sticking with it. I have zero faith in them moving forward. I don't know how they win a game with Arthur Smith as their head coach. He is an absolute fucking idiot. Do I feel that good about brutal, picking dude. the Cardinals? No. But, dude, they've stayed in the game with everyone that they've played all year. Like, it's not like they're just going out there and getting blown out every week. I mean, they've played some really, really, really tight games with some good teams, and they beat the Cowboys, dude. Like, yeah, Falcons are not good. I'm going Cardinals. I'm a fan of the thought of Kyler Murray, right? Like a dude that fast with that strong of an arm on Madden. I basically mortgaged my entire future of my franchise to trade like every draft pick I had and get him um, to run my team. But he has never struck me as being a super duper tough guy. I would not be surprised to see him play like a quarter of a quarter and a half and go back out with, you know, cause he tweaks something. Uh, I think Atlanta goes in and gets the job done. I don't think it looks overly impressive. I think it's like the most underwhelming victory you could possibly imagine. Um, but I, I think they go in and take care of business. And, and you know, at the end of the day, they're going to be five and five and five sitting at 500 after 10 games. Sure hope you're right, but I just don't see it. <laughs> All right. Six and two Lions heading out west to face the Chargers. 
I think the Lions, you know, coming off a bye, well rested. I think your boy Dan Campbell's going to have him fired up. I think they go out and stomp the shit out of the Chargers, man. <laughs> Dude, I don't even think this game's going to be even remotely close. I think the Lions think they, are going to. Yeah, I can them. see them putting it on them enough to where, like, maybe you start to get the questions on Brandon Staley after this one because. I mean, yeah, they're going to be four and five, but clearly, like the Chargers were a dark horse, you know, fringe contender for this season, and it's not going well at all for them. Um, yeah, I think the Lions beat the hell out of them. Yep. Two and seven Giants heading to face the five and three Cowboys. I think the, the Cowboys are actually sixteen and a half point favorites going into this one. I think they cover that, dude. I think they're going to be pissed off after taking that tough loss to the uh, Giants, and oh man, and unfortunately. Um, Excuse me, I said the Cowboys are going to be pissed off after taking that tough loss against the Eagles, and I think the Giants are going to get the uh, the brunt of that frustration in Cowboys role. Yeah, I agree. Cowboys are going to absolutely steamroll them. Commanders and the Seahawks up in Seattle. Any chance Sam Howell goes out to the West Coast and gets the win? Chance, yes. Is it going to happen? No. <laughs> Seattle. I agree, man. Yeah, I say Seahawks win. And we're getting Zach Wilson in primetime back-to-back weeks, man. Sunday night football next week, the uh, the Jets at Vegas against the Raiders. The suddenly resurgent Raiders behind Antonio Pierce, a head coach. Oh, boy. Yeah, that's not good. Uh, oh, God, dude. The Jets are definitely a better team. You never know what you're gonna get with with Zach Wilson, though, dude. They're they're like, I don't want to say high ceiling. They're like mid ceiling, low floor, though. They could totally crap out. I'm going Raiders, dude. I just after watching what Zach Wilson just did in this game, I don't know how anyone can have faith in him moving forward. He is bad. This is the worst pass defense in the NFL, and he did absolutely nothing tonight. Yeah, they could not. They didn't put the ball in the end zone, man. Like, how how does that happen, dude, against the Chargers defense that has struggled mightily all season long? I mean, the Titans put up 30 on them back in the Ryan Tannehill era. So, um, yeah, I'm going Raiders. I hate to say that, dude. Obviously, the Josh McDaniels-Antonio Pierce switch went down after we recorded last week. Um, I, I, I've, I've, I don't know if you remember this game, Jordan. I've held a grudge against Antonio Pierce since the 2006 season. He took a huge cheap shot on Michael Vick on the sidelines in a Giants-Falcons game. Really did a huge brouhaha on the sidelines. Do you remember that, dude? Yeah. Yeah, it was crazy. That was that game when Warwick Dunn had like a 90-yard touchdown run. Uh, yeah, so I've, I've never forgiven him for that, clearly, you know, 17 years on. So uh, I'm going to go Jets, man. I, you typically see teams get a, a big one-week bump when you get rid of the coach. Everybody hated. Uh, but I think the Jets, you know, they're still a really well-coached team despite Zach Wilson doing everything in his power to just deep-six this team. I think they go into Vegas and get the win to keep hope alive for another week. All right. And last but not least, Broncos and Bills on Monday Night Football in Buffalo. I think the Bills roll. (laughs) Dude, if the Bills lose that game, I don't really know where where you're going to go moving forward because – yeah, they have to win that game. So, yeah, I'm going Bills as well. All right, let's get into Million Dollar Bets. Uh. Uh-huh, yeah. Uh. Uh-huh, yeah. All right, how we do last week, man? All right, so you went 2-0. and You had Bengals minus 3 for 25K, and you had Chiefs minus 2.5 for 50K. On the season, you are ten and eight and minus one hundred thousand. I went one and one to bring my record to nine and nine. I had the Dolphins plus two and a half for twenty five k, which obviously didn't hit. And then I had Eagles Cowboys over forty six and a half for fifty k. So, yeah, mixed bag last week. What's your total at for the season? Minus seventy five k. Okay, so you're twenty five k ahead of me right now. All right. I got my, so my first bet, I'm picking the Colts to take care of business over in Germany. I'm going to put 50,000 on them to cover the two point spread against the Patriots. Minus two, 50K. All right. My first one is going to be, so on the lines that I sent over to Seth today, that's what we're going by. So they had Cowboys minus 15 and a half. I'm taking Cowboys minus 15 and a half for 100K. <sighs> That's a lot of points, bro, in a divisional game. Against you said 100K? Tom, yeah, against Tommy DeVito. Okay. Okay. 
You want my second I like, one? I mean, I like it. Competing against you, I like it, dude. We'll see. I'm also going 100K. I think the Bills covered that seven and a half point spread against the Broncos on Monday Night Football. I like having a little bit of juice on the Monday Night game. Makes it a little bit more interesting as we are potting and offering up some uh, live commentary. So, uh, yeah, I'm going. I'm going Bills, man, over the Broncos for 100K. Minus Negative seven and a half. Okay, perfect. I'm going Lions minus Linus. one. Minus one and a half for 100K as well. All right. Uh, any closing thoughts on this Chargers and uh, and Jets game, dude? Are, are the Chargers back, or is this just a Zach Wilson special? No, the Zach Wilson just absolutely sucks. All right, we got two uh, two questions uh, for mailbag this week. One NFL, one college. So, what what do you want to go first, man? You want to go college or the pros? Let's go college. All right, so our buddy Alex Eubank, well, this is one that we discussed a little bit, man. Uh, he hit me up this afternoon with a question from the college ranks. You know, he's a big, big Ohio State fan. He says, what's each of your thoughts on this Michigan sign-stealing scandal? I'm a, Let me try that again. Sign-stealing scandal. <laughs> I'm a diehard Ohio State fan, so I obviously have strong thoughts. We're going to handle them in a few weeks, so it won't be an issue. But do you think that this whole season slash past season is going to be scrubbed from the record books after all this? Just too much smoke and evidence out already to not lead to a fire. Um, no, I don't think it's going to get scrubbed, but it's definitely not going to be looked upon fondly in the history books. Um, but no, I don't think they'll completely scrub it. Um, my thoughts on it. I mean, dude, they probably made it a little too obvious that they were stealing signs and sending 20 people the games, but dude, everyone is doing this type of shit, man. Whether they want to admit it or not, people are doing this shit every week. It's just, it's part of sports. I mean, is it fair? No. Is it cheating? Could argue it, but eh, I don't know, man. I just, I don't, I think it's being made into way too big of a deal at this point. Honestly, I do think this is Harbaugh's last year at Michigan, no matter what. Um, I think somebody is going to basically offer them or offer him their franchise in the NFL. So I think he's done <laughs> after this year. Um, I think the Bears are going to be the most attractive for him. Yeah, that'd be cool too. I uh, yeah, dude, I'm kind of with you, man. I'm like. I've never been a huge college football fan. I've I've watched a lot more this season than I have, but this is the kind of shit that always make me roll my eyes at college football because, like, I get that, like, it's... And he did break the rule. I looked it up. I did my Google research to see, like, if there was an actual rule that they broke. And there's rules against um, scouting at... Um, you know, basically traveling, at, scouting outside of your home stadium, right? You're basically, for as far as scouting goes, you're supposed to be restricted to just the coach's film. Um, so there's rules against that. And then there was something, there was another rule about like videotaping, but like, I'm with you, dude. Like, I'm sure everybody's doing this to some extent. I don't get the pearl clutching that this is like, you know, the worst thing to ever happen in the history of college football, man. Like it's, it, to me, it's part of the game, dude. Like, Again, coaching flag football shit. I try to look at the. I'm watching the other teams huddle, man. I'm kind of looking at see who the coaches are talking to, who they're pointing at, so I know who the ball's going to, man. Like it's just, it's part of sports, dude. It always is. I don't think it's again. It's not. It's kind of ugly, right? It's not something that's super attractive and fun to talk about. But I don't get the again like people acting like this is just you know the biggest disgrace in the history of college football. It just seems like, you know, big fucking deal to me, man. They just want to win. And I don't think I, I'm kind of with, I, I kind of believe what you said, man, you know, we, when, cause I asked Jordan a couple of days ago, I texted him cause he's much more into the college football scene than I am. I was like, dude, what's the, I tried to get him to explain to me, like, what is the big deal about this Jim Harbaugh situation? Cause for me as a casual college fan, it just didn't seem like that big a deal, man. I mean, when Spygate happened, it was, you know, Bill Belichick got suspended one one game and then that was it, right? Where They moved on. They ended up going undefeated that season. Um, so, yeah, I'm with you, dude. Like, big deal, man. I think teams are just mad because they're, they're so successful. And then I also kind of agree with what you said. Jordan floated out. I'm surprised you didn't drop it on the show. Jordan floated out the theory that this is actually a hit job 
from somebody within the Michigan organization that wants to get Jim Harbaugh out of there. We know he's historically a guy that's known to be tough to work with. Uh, you remember that for all the success he had in San Francisco, he was gone in four seasons, man. And if you remember back in that time, there were a lot of reports about him rubbing people the wrong way within the organization. So maybe they're just sick of his ass at Michigan. They figure that, you know, they're such a brand in college football that they'll be able to keep that thing rolling no matter who's the head coach. Yeah, I agree. All right, and our question from the pros, our buddy Sam Rosenthal says, how can the Giants be this bad? Will their offense ever get better? You assume they move on from Jones after this year, but I do not think it is his fault. Um, There's zero chance they're moving on from Daniel Jones at the end of the season, dude. They just you showed him the money, dude. Yeah, you know how much money they owe him? Hold on, I'm going to look it up here. They might be moving on from Saquon. So their they're out is 2025. Dead cap would be $69 million next year if they cut him. There's no way they're doing that, dude. There's just no way. Yeah, I mean, they could always draft a rookie and just start them and just eat it and have the most expensive backup quarterback in the league. But, yeah, Daniel Jones is going to be a giant for the foreseeable future. Yeah, because 2025, if they cut him, it's only $22 million in dead cap space. Um, as far as how they're this bad, I mean, dude, if I had the answer for that, I think I'd be an NFL head coach. It's just – I think it's a mixture of things. I feel like they just caught like I don't know, man. It just seems they like had they it caught going last year. They, I thought they, they were good last year, man. They caught lightning. In, they caught lightning in a bottle, though, dude. Daniel Jones was so good last year at running that read option, and you can't run that offense without him. And the first couple of games, he was so bad that they couldn't even run their offense. That's the problem. I mean, dude, sometimes it happens. Somebody gets paid, and that gets in their head, and they don't play the same anymore. I don't know, man. They're, yeah, they they're are bad. Very- it's it's not Dayball's fault though. The talent on offense is just not there. Like they looking back on it, they way overachieved last year. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree, man. You know, going in and winning that playoff game in Minnesota, it seemed like they were really onto something. But I think it may have just been a little bit of fool's gold. All right, that is it for the halfway point of uh, this goal line season, Jordan. Man, here's with some closing thoughts before we get out of here. If the Falcons lose this week and they don't fire fucking Arthur Smith, I'm going to drive down to Atlanta myself and burn that fucking place to the ground. <laughs> 11 times I've been busted. 11 times I've been to jail. Some of the 